Sisters, my name is Sky Latimer and I am taking over Metro Families Raising OKC Kids today. I'm currently the Director of Marketing at Folded Owl where my team and I support small businesses by consulting, training, or managing their social media presence. I also serve on the East End Commercial District Board where we work to bring businesses uh, and new businesses uh, into the area. We beautify and increase tourism in historic Northeast 23rd in Oklahoma City. My husband and I live in Norman with our 16-month-old son and I am an Enneagram 9. Joining me today are a fabulous panel of local moms and dads who are passionate about improving conversations around racism starting in the home. Dr. Tamika Rogers is a resident of Tulsa and Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Tulsa Technology Center. Dr. Rogers, if you'll wave for me. Dr. Rogers also serves five years as, uh, has served five years as a hospital corpsman in the United States Navy and has a combined six years as a high school instructor and college enrollment counselor. She is a mother to three boys, what a handful. Travis Hartfield is a proud father of three children and the chief executive officer of the Kadosh Health and Wellness Experience with a master's degree in educational technology from Oklahoma State University, where he is also an adjunct professor. Welcome. Ryan McGee and his wife Rebecca are the proud parents of three children. Man, you guys are doing it. Nine years ago, Ryan and his wife Rebecca became parents uh, to an African-American son. 10 months later, they welcomed a bio son and five years after that, an adopted African-American daughter. Ryan has worked in various positions throughout Oklahoma's nonprofit education and energy sectors. Hi. <laughs> Thank you all so much for being here and sharing your unique perspectives as we all search to grow and move forward together in this wild and crazy time. Uh, now that introductions have been made, let's get this conversation started. And just to kind of gauge, since we're starting and we're talking about children, I would like to know when you all first became aware of your race. Uh, we'll start with Ryan. That's a tricky question, I think, Sky. Uh, you know, one of the things I think we're really aware of in our house is that my wife and I are both white and that white privilege gives us the ability to to not be as aware of it um, i think we've become more aware of it as we've had children and as our family has evolved and looked different and we've had children of other races i think we've we've become more aware of that and more aware of that privilege um i don't know for me that i can tell you of a time that i, I that i consciously became aware of this is racially who I am and and how that then this is how that impacts me um Dr. Rogers good afternoon um wow I've never been asked that question before uh when was I first aware of my race you had me thinking there I would have to say when I started school um, I would say not just when I started school, but in second grade, because that's when I moved to Tulsa and went to Union High, Union um, Elementary School, Roy Clark. Uh, I'm from Coffeyville, Kansas, and we're in a neighborhood where everybody looks exactly like us. And we walk down the street, uh, everybody's, no one's doors locked or anything like that. So it's from a real small town. 
uh, when I started coming here in, in Tulsa in second grade, that's when I became aware. Um, I was probably probably three or four black kids that were in the school. And Travis, how about you? Hello, everyone. Um, my mom tells me a story, uh, tells a story about me when I was in elementary that uh, there was a point in time when I, I started school that uh, that Sunday we went to church and I looked at her and I said, wait a minute, why is all of the brown people over at this church and all of the white people over at this church? And so I know it was early elementary. I couldn't tell you which time, but she tells that story all the time. I can completely relate. I can remember it like it was yesterday when I first became aware of my experience in preschool or kindergarten um, out in Washington, DC. Um, thank you for, for answering that. I think that lays a good foundation for us to begin. Um, so hopping into some of our other questions, each of your black or brown children who range from three to 18, from, from toddler to teenager whoo that is some knowledge and wisdom in that time they but they've all experienced racism so we know that kids can begin to exhibit racist tendencies early um, but that they can also begin to learn and exhibit inclusive tendencies early too so what anti-racist values and actions can families incorporate in our homes to teach our kids early how to stand against racism dr rogers we'll start with you Okay, I would say, first of all, um, to teach your kids about racism, you'd have to communicate with them on a regular basis and not shy away from the conversation of racism and make it a part of your daily conversation where it's not as uncomfortable um, to talk about. I think that would be the first step in doing it. And uh, as far as standing up for racism and things like that, I think we could also treat it just like uh, what we, we're taught about bullying. You know, it's not right. We have to stand up. We have to be a voice. We have to speak. Now, all kids can't go up and speak to someone and say, okay, that's not nice. Stop. Um, I would encourage them to say, no, that's not nice and stop. But when you can't, go tell a teacher or go tell a parent, go tell someone that can communicate with them. So I think that we should open up our lines of communication and talk about things that might not be so comfortable for us to talk about and stop shying away from it like we typically probably would. It's just to have that conversation and keep talking about it and making them aware of what things that could be hurtful. Would anyone else like to chime in on this question? Yeah, um, just to piggyback on what she, uh, Dr. Rogers was saying, um, along with the con that, that communication, uh, active listening. Mm -hmm. um, when you when you rearrange those word the letters in the word listen, you get silent, and to truly stay silent while someone is is sharing or talking about something that may be difficult. So instead of being offended. I am truly trying to hear the heart of what is being said. Um, along with that, she also brought up uh, the whole bullying. I think that uh, you also have to address and, and touch on these, uh, these stereotypes. You know, it's just boys being boys or, you know, that's just how girls are at that age. You know, those are, those are things that, that we can't just let go anymore because um, 
in the end, that's what we're dealing with. We're, we're dealing with uh, a bullying problem. That's good. Ryan, how about you? What's your wisdom? I, I would, again, I think echo communication um, just as a really key component of that. Um, and just having those conversations and having those conversations in an open and honest way. Um, I think that begins in our homes. Um, but then it needs to go beyond that too, of us having conversations with each other. Uh, and and really getting to kind of a comfort level with talking about race and talking about how that impacts each of us individually and what our individual experiences with that are. Um, I think we realize more and more as our kids get older, I just how different that experience is from, from kid to kid. Um, so I think there's a real importance in just continuing that conversation and allowing it to evolve, evolve in your house. Uh, just to meet the needs of whatever time and space you're in. Yeah, that sharing your experience is so important. We share our experience on business practices or health practices. Why wouldn't we share our experience on something like race? That is a really great point. And Travis, I'd never heard the the rearranging the letters of listen is silent. That's a, um, it's like a, a therapeutic uh, listening uh, term way to do that. So um, that's great. These are great insights. Um, okay, what might racism look like through the eyes of a child on the playground, in a classroom, in an after-school activity, or at a friend's house? Whew. And part two of that question is, how can we help, how can we teach our kids to spot racism, and how do we coach them on what to do when they see it happening? Uh, Travis, we'll start with you. Okay. Um, my, my son, not so much now because he's older, uh, but my daughters as they are younger, if they see something that's scary or they hear something that, that's scary, they run and they jump in my arms. Um, they know they're gonna be protected, that that's their safe place. Um, a child that is going through this or um, experiencing this on the playground or in, at, a, at a friend's house, um, they're looking to be uh, consoled uh, they're looking to be held. They're looking to be protected. Um, and what's sad is that child, as that child gets older, they end up protecting that child. So that 18-year-old ends up protecting that elementary age kid or uh, so on and so forth. And so they're going to find it, but we want them to, um, to feel like their, their, their voice matters. Uh, and so... The second part of that question, um, I believe uh, you never stop learning. You know, you become a lifelong learner. Uh, that's something that we use in the Department of Education at Oklahoma State. Um, you have to, you have to continue as, as this time right now is, is showing precedent and, and a catalyst moment of um, this can't stop. We always have to continue to be uh, looking to learn more. Uh, not just to, um, uh, not just for this moment, not just for, for, for this moment in time, but for continued generations. We have to, to teach them that you constantly want to be better and you constantly want to be a part of making the world a better place. And you actually have the power to do that. So you're empowering them as well. 
Yeah, what about you, Dr. Rogers? This one is a, is a tough one because it kind of hit home, um, which most all of it really is hitting home. But with this one with me, my son was in fourth grade and he got in trouble for taking his eyeglasses off and flinging them on his desk. He just flung them on his desk. And the reason why he was so upset was because the teacher wasn't asking his question, answering his question. He was being ignored. And he kept on trying to raise his hand and raise his hand and he was being ignored. He's in fourth grade and he expresses himself by throwing his, flinging his glasses on, the, on his desk. Well, he got in trouble. And I talked to him about it, you know. Ian, what did you get in trouble for? What's going on? He was like, I flung my glasses on the, on the uh, table, on my desk, but she just doesn't like me because I'm brown. That broke my heart. She just doesn't like me because I'm brown. And she, he said, she doesn't treat anybody else like that in the class. So for me, I'm like, what am I to do with that? Well, what I had to do is, is we, we both got assigned to go to anger management classes. We both got, that was our thing because he flung his glasses. Once we got there, there were 10 people there. I remember it like it was yesterday. Nine of them were black and one was white. That crushed me, you know, because is it that he has an anger management problem? Is it that I have an anger management problem? But I had to talk to him about that, you know, because he was crushed, I was crushed, but I had to get in a good safe place for me to have a conversation with him on how does he handle things like that? You know, if he feels like he's being ignored, if he feels like it's because of his race, if he feels like, you know, whatever is his gender, whatever it is that's bothering him, how he needs to come and talk to me about it instead of expressing himself right there at the moment. Those are the conversations that I have to have. You come talk to me at that age and then let's, let us work through this, you know, and let us have those type of conversations. And that's how we had to handle that situation. So when you're dealing with racism at school and different places for kids, it's hard, you know, and it's hard for me as a parent because I can't defend them right on the spot. And I can't go tell the teacher or I can, but then if I'm saying, you know, we, we don't need to be in anger management, we don't need to this, that, and the other, you have the problem, then it looks like I have an anger management problem as well. So I have to check myself and I have to explain to my kids that I'm checking myself because, and I tell my kids, this is how I feel about it, but this is how we have to act about it to be, to be able to handle it productively. That's good to be able to have it received well. You yes. have to, be able to come from a place of education and empathy as well. That's great. How about you, Ryan? How about your family? You know, I always think of a story with our oldest son um, of being at a summer day camp, um, and another child said something that was racist to him, and he responded by punching this other this other child, which is obviously the wrong response. Um, but instead of stopping and asking what happened and understanding both sides, what they responded to was what he did. Um, and while his response was wrong, um, he felt like that the person on the other side of that got off without getting in trouble at all. Um, and so it felt really the inequity 
of that situation. Um, and like Dr. Rogers, you know, we had to have a conversation around one, yeah, it's okay to be mad. Yes, that, that's, that's the right emotional response. Also, you need to handle that in a different way. We need you to go back and say, I need you to understand what happened in this situation and what caused that, and why I responded that way, uh, or why I'm upset. Um, and so some of it, I mean, really is teaching the, the skills to, to cope with and, and to really defend yourself in that situation in a way that is healthy and safe. That's good. Now, uh, for those of you who are watching, Ryan and his family have both black and white children. And so I'm curious how your conversations are when you talk about race and racism with them. Are they different? Are they in the same room together? Um, what does that look like for us? So the same and different both, Sky. Um, I think we have talked about race always in our house. Um, our son we adopted at a year old. Um, and it's always been apparent that we didn't look the same. Um, and so we've always talked about that in a way that made sense for wherever he was developmentally. And so all of our kids have grown up with us talking about race and difference and that that's okay. Um, I think as our son has gotten older, we have geared more conversations with him specifically around safety and and just how how do we interact in public spaces? What are things that are safe to do and what are things that are, may not be safe to do? Um, and some of the reasons for those. Um, where his brother who is white is 20 months younger and I think we talk about race in a more generalized sense of it, the difference is okay and it's it's okay for people to not look the same or to be the same. Um, we're with his older brother, I think we're really having to have more conversations around there are things you need to do in order to be safe. Um, and there are situations that you need to be aware of so that you don't place yourself in harm's way. Um, and that's taken, I, I think, some real work on our part to educate ourselves on what those conversations are um, and to really work through that together. That's good. Doing the work together. Um, this is another question uh, for the for the whole floor. Um, what do you want parents to be talking about with their white children right now when it comes to racism, racial justice, and privilege? Dr. Rogers, we'll start with you. Okay. Um, I think it's important to talk to uh, kids about fairness because all kids understand fair. You know, it, that's an easy concept to get what's fair and what's not fair. And fair sometimes doesn't mean that everything is all the same, you know. Um, so to, to explain that and what does that look like and, you know, what does it take and, and about hurting feelings. You know, all kids know what it feels like to have their feelings hurt. Um, I think that would be a, an important conversation too. What's fair and how do you hurt feelings and just about the injustices that are that's going on. Um, I think those are important conversations and also to have empathy for, for each other. 
you know, um, at the end of the day, everyone has feelings and no one wants their feelings to be hurt and to see what makes what makes people's feelings hurt and what doesn't make people's feelings hurt. And I think from a child's uh, perspective, everybody can understand that. That's good. Travis? Um, I would, uh, to, to echo that, but then also to go even uh, for like current events, the current events that are happening and, and use those uh, happenings as uh, opportunities to have these conversations and, and to express exactly what Dr. Rogers was saying, the you know, uh, empathy, how to, how to empathize, what does that look like? Um, what could they have been um, feeling at, at, at that moment? Um, this one is, is very uh, near and dear because uh, there's a lot of conversations that have been, have been talked about. A friend of mine called me and told me that she tried to talk to, and she was a, a, a white girl, and she tried to talk to her black friend, uh, who was also a girl, and she couldn't even find the words to talk. Um, and so she was saying, what did she do wrong? And I said, well, first off, um, you just got to understand that, you know, this person is coming from a place where however long this is happening, I think I said it before, like that may be that kid. She's been protecting that kid for so long that now here's an opportunity for that kid to speak and that kid has never had this platform. So she's trying to find the words and things herself. And so um, to give that person time, to, to understand what it means to give someone time during a hard discussion, during a hard conversation, to find their words. Um, and that means that you truly have to sit back and, and, and listen and empathize, as Dr. Rogers was saying. Ryan. You know, I think so much of that is being willing to have that conversation in your family. And I think when I think about white families with white children being willing to have that conversation in a way that's open and honest, even though it's probably an uncomfortable conversation uh, that you don't know how to step into. Um, you know, I think for us, we, we live in this, in our house, and it's like murky middle ground uh, where we live with race all the time but the reality is is that when i walk out the door in the morning that doesn't have to go with me um so we live in this real murky area um and so i think even for us sometimes we think okay how do you step into this conversation um, how do i do this in a way that is respectful of of the other person's experience um, and two how do i communicate to my kids in a way that also says this is important this matters and this is something we need to get right and it's something we need to talk about and we need to be comfortable talking about um, so i think so much of that is just taking that first step to jump into that space and say i may not do this right the first time or the second time or the third time but we're going to try and do it and we're going to try and have that conversation until we get to a place where we feel some comfort level with that and having that conversation and and being open about that 
This is so good. I I have not had a conversation around uh, parenting and, and racism with a, um, a white dad. And so these insights um, of what's going on in your home give me a lot of hope. Um, such good wisdom and insight here. This next question I'm really curious about because um, my son is not in school yet. He has a few years to go. Um, but when it comes to our schools, how can we as parents lift the issue of racism to the front of conversations in schools um, and help put a stop to racial inequity, microaggressions, Lord, uh, and other uh, differential treatment based on students' skin color? Let's talk about it. Um, I think we started with Dr. Rogers last time. Let's start with Travis. Okay. Um, one of the things that I am privileged to be able to do uh, uh, with the Oklahoma State football team uh, when, we're, when we're dealing with tough topics is uh, we make them aware, we encourage, we educate, we inspire, but then uh, right behind that, we, we, we give them an opportunity to see it and kind of a skit. It played out. So in this scenario, there would be someone who is being racist. There would be someone receiving the racist comments, and then there would be a bystander. And so there could be other other uh, scenarios, multiple scenarios that that you get to play out. But um, I think the whole school, like we were just talking about, parents learning, what can they do? I think the administrators, the teachers, as well as the students, they all need to hear this and be made aware, but then at the same time, they all need to understand what these scenarios look like and be made to put themselves in that scenario and then, and then talk about it. Um, I think that the students being able to see the teachers and the administration learning right alongside them uh, and then having conversations, and that needs to happen not just once, not just twice, but multiple times throughout the year. And then in that, in that capacity, not only are you being made aware, but now you're putting those, uh, those learnings to practice. Great point. Uh, what are your thoughts, Ryan? Yeah, I think about empathy a lot as we talk about this. Um, and I think most of our natural tendencies is to think about how am I impacted? How do I feel? Um, and we've got to get educators into a space um, and people in outside organizations into a space where they can say well how does somebody else feel about that or how does how do my words impact somebody else um, you mentioned microaggressions and I think that's one of those that it's so hard for people to grasp what a microaggression is because it's so hard to hear what that what that sounds like and to recognize it um, and so there's really a lot of education to be done around that and it does, I think Travis is right, There's a, it's, it's an ongoing conversation and it's something that you've got to repeat over and over and over again. Because I think unless you deal with it day in and day out and it's really part of your life, it takes a lot more repetition for you to get to that place of saying, oh, maybe, the, maybe what I just said, maybe they, that wasn't perceived the way I, I thought it was or intended for it to be. Um, maybe that made that person feel less than in some way um, so it take, that takes some hard work um, and it takes a lot of work to get to where we probably want to be how about you dr rogers 
Hey, just to add to um, Travis's and Ryan's is, I would say as parents, what they would need to do is be present at the school. You know, if we're talking about grade school and even high school, it's even at the high school level, parents kind of like drift off a little bit. But as an elementary, middle school, high school, parents be present, attend field trips, build relationships with the counselors, with the teachers, with the administration, the principals, build those relationships um, because we do have assumptions and stereotypes. And if we live up to the stereotypes and don't show up and don't introduce ourselves and don't become active in our child's lives, then they're going to assume that. Even if you might be, you might have two or three jobs, you know, and it's hard, but you have to make a way to be present at the school. Ask those questions. Once you're present and you're building relationships with the, the um, with the um, administrative teachers and even the students in the class. You know, I know my kids' friends in the class. I go to the class and visit the class. Um, also with their literature, you know, the literature that they're reading, you know, when they open up books, no matter what's it about, they don't see anybody that looks like them. You know, they need to see people who look like them. They need to see good examples. And with that, they need to have some more black and brown teachers, black and brown administrators, black and brown counselors. They need to see those positive influences in their school. Um, they, also, they also need to um, read, when they're reading literature, they need to see literature of African-American and brown people that are inspiring, you know, that are doing things. That's what they need to see. And also when you build relationships with the counselors and the teachers and everything, you could also um, encourage them to have guest speakers in, you know, black and brown guest speakers to talk to the kids, you know, when bullying is going on, they have a whole assembly for that, you know, so they could also do that. You could also, uh, Bring in parents together like a PTA, but as far as fighting injustices and different things like that. So there's a number of things that you can do, but the main thing I would say is to be involved, be present, show your face. That is so good. I was muted, but I was over here snapping and clapping like, yes, these are such good points. It's so relevant and so crucial for our, our babies and teens uh, to, to have that representation. Such good points. Um, so I love to always every, end everything on, on a high note. Um, and it's such a heavy time with the pandemic and with what's going on in the world with race. Um, and we are all parents of black children. Um, so how are you finding hope right now? What is giving you hope? What's giving you life? What's uplifting you? Um, we'll start with Ryan. I think the thing I've been most grateful for over the last couple of months is that we, I feel like we've seen more conversations um, like this one and people really coming together and trying to understand. Uh, you know, I've said several times throughout this, there's something about this point in history that I think has caused all of us to stop and really assess what's going on in the world around us. And I think that is inclusive of people who have not had to think about race before and have had the privilege of not doing that. Um, and I think we're in this unique time where people in some ways are more open to this conversation. And that's the place I think where we have to start is having this conversation um, and sharing experiences and understanding each other and understanding that 
all of us have a different experience with race, but that we all need to commit to better understanding other people's experiences and believing those experiences um, and understanding the impact those have. Dr. Rogers, what's giving you life? Well, you know, I still have a nine-year-old. That's my baby right there. You know, I have an 18 and a 23-year-old. So the nine-year-old is still my baby. And we, we have a lot of cuddle time. And while we're doing our cuddle time, we're reading. And we have different, I have ordered a slew of books to read specifically uh, with African-American heroes in it, you know, because when they go to school, they don't, like I said, they don't see anyone that looks like them in their textbook. And so I wanted to give them, give him more examples of that. We had a few, but not as many as I would like. So we're, we're up to reading two and three a day, you know, and so we just snuggle and then we read and then we journal about our feelings and we talk about that. And we also follow it up with a movie or so. So that's, that's what we've been doing. Now with the older ones, we just talk it out. We just talk it out. They, sometimes they're here, sometimes they're not. They're into their friends and things like that. So, but they do come and get a little mama time at the end of the day and we just talk it out. Travis. My hope is and always will be uh, my faith in the one true God. Um, and it is, it is that 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 has given me ability to, to stay balanced. Um, my kids, a lot of the current events that they get to hear uh, come straight from my experience. Um, there's been multiple times like my size, I'm 6'3", I'm 220. Um, I, uh, it, for the football, when I'm playing football, uh, it's perfect. But a lot of times it's viewed as uh, intimidation, aggression. And so, um, you know, there's one time that, that we talked about here recently where um, I was, came at by, you know, multiple police officers. And it was uh, one's attempt to, to get me to, um, to react, to respond uh, while I was surrounded by the others. And one of them was ready to, ready to draw and to to talk and to share with them you know what you are even more powerful than you think because in that moment they thought they were taking power from me but because i was able to outthink them the more i had them elevate the more power I was actually at because they kept elevating to get me to respond and they had to keep elevating because I wouldn't. And so it's an opportunity for me to talk to them how truly powerful they are. But then at the same time, I get to let them know that not all people are bad. And so right after that incident, we went to the police station and we found one that let them play in the police cars and let them do all of these things because um, they need to know that it's not everybody. And so what you tried to make me feel, I'm not going to make the next person feel just because you look like that person or you have the same job as that person. And so teaching my kids that same balance. So no matter what situation that they are in, um, they're going to be able to come out the stronger 
that is where my hope comes from. That is good. My hope is built on nothing less right there. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, Ryan, Travis, Dr. Rogers, thank you so much for being on this panel today. It was such an honor to hear your truths. Um, your stories and lessons show so much vulnerability and strength and courage. Um, I, I honor you for the work that you are doing with raising these white, black, brown, all the babies um, in all the world. Our, our world is going to be better because they have you as parents. Um, you are so inspiring and have no doubt you are raising the next generation of inspiring leaders as well. For everyone listening, you can find more resources on having conversations around race in your home by visiting www.metrofamilymagazine.com slash racial dash justice dash OKC. And y'all, if y'all don't have your notifications turned on for their Facebook and social media, turn them on. Their content is the bomb. Join us next time on Raising OKC Kids. <laughs>